But, you know, we got kids that love to play, and that's been the key for us. You get guys that fit your culture, that fit your coaching. Uh, it's important for us to, uh, instead of adjusting to your players, you know, your players are starting to now adjust to what we expect from them. And when you've been in a program that hasn't won for a long time, you go from from hoping to believing to expecting. And, mm-hmm. and when you can get to the expectation level, I think it's important, and that's the next step for us here at Stetson. Welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan, sir. And today I'm really excited because we had a conversation with Donnie Jones, who's one of my best friends and someone I've worked with. I've known for you know 20 plus years uh, since he was an assistant at the University of Florida with Billy Donovan. And Donnie is one of the most thoughtful humans in the world, an incredible basketball coach, a server of people uh, <clears throat> and a lifelong learner. And as I often said when I worked for him at UCF, um, you know, people would say, why did you leave the NBA and you're working over here at UCF? I said, it's not often you can get a chance in life to work with your best friend every day. And, uh, you know, so that's why I'm with Zach every day. And then I have uh, Donnie, you know, it's just, it's just great to be around people that you really care about and learn from every on a daily basis. I'm so thrilled for him because he's got the, one of the toughest jobs in the country and, you know, it sits in the university and he is 10 and seven right now. They've played out of 17, they played 13 road games already going to Ireland to play two games. It's absolutely incredible what he's done. And, He's got a team with academics were a huge priority at the university and he's got to recruit different kids, but he has gone about reinventing himself as a coach, which I love three point shooting. Uh, one of the best teams in the country at that He's played Florida state, you know, South Florida, you know, university of Florida. I mean, the, the schedule is ridiculous, but he goes about it and just, you know, his kids really compete. Uh, and I, and I just think that's so important, but he's, he's one of the very best. And I think you'll find out why and how he's gone about building a program, which for you, whether you're a high school or college coach, it's important that you know how to do it and maintain at the same time, a positive attitude amongst adversity that you go through. So we're going to hear from Donnie in a, in a few minutes, but I know Zach, you want to, uh, reach into our uh, question and answer texts that we've gotten in, uh, this week and to help some of the coaches that have uh, asked some really, I thought, two really great questions this week. Yeah, no, we've had a few come in um, and we encourage everyone to please, you know, continue doing that. Um, it, you know, like I said, reach out on uh, the link that's going to be in the show notes for this episode, uh, as well as on the description on the YouTube page. Um, but we had two come in and we'll get right into them. Um, first one was from Matt in Ohio. Uh, recently I've overheard my players complaining about our practice length. Uh, I'm curious about overworking them, but I also want to make sure that I'm covering everything. How long do you guys recommend practicing this time of the year? Yeah, we're in January right now. 
<clears throat> and and coaches now at different states around the country, the college coaches have been basically working almost all year round. They're, the players are there in the summer. And then they, as soon as they come back to school, they're in a work. And But the high school coaches, you know, you have them a little bit in the summertime or your kids are good enough to play AAU ball. And then when you get back to school, you've been informally working out until regular practice starts. But now when you get to January, I think it's really important that you really become efficient and no longer than one hour. And I challenge you, just like a teacher does in one of their classes at the high school level, you get a 50, 55 minute uh, period to teach whatever subject you are, whether you're a science, math, or history teacher, same thing now in basketball. That's the subject matter that you're teaching. You can get everything done if you're really efficient, really organized. And I think it's important that the players have their legs. So most high school teams and college teams are playing two games a week. It's really important that you go in there and you work on the main thing. And the main thing right now is five-on-five five basketball. It's not breakdown drills that you started when you started the first week of practice. It's now five-on-five. Five. If you want to work on your preparation for your opponent, now you're working five-on-five. Five. But that's the best thing. Make sure coaches get shooting in. That's one of those things that is so important, and we have to make sure that's in your practice. So I think one hour is the proper time. I think it'll your players will like it because they'll have their legs by the end of the season. That's so important. How, how would you break that down? Say it's an hour. Like how much would you dedicate to shooting? How much would you dedicate to yourself, your opponent? Yeah. Uh, no, my whole thing is, uh, Zach, and, and, and that is a great question. So after my initial warm-up, okay, and that's what I'm counting, not, not the stretching and stuff like that. that, that's done. But once the clock starts and literally put it on there, uh, I'm doing minimum of 10 minutes of shooting. Uh, and that's both spot shooting and shooting off of our offense. Okay. Uh, then <clears throat> I'm going to make sure that I've warmed them up properly by getting them running full court with some, maybe some fast break drills and ball handling drills so that they're, they're going full court. But then after that, uh, I am going to five on five where I'm working on our offense versus defense on a half court basis. And then when a ball is either shot or missed, then we're going to fast break, make or miss. And we're going to play till two baskets are scored. And then we reset. So if you're playing against a team, Zach, that is going to play a two, three zone, we're going to work in the beginning and they're, and they're going to be, it's like Syracuse. And they're playing two, three zone, the whole game. We're going to spend uh, many, much of our offense attacking in my half court offense, it's going to be against a two, three zone. So I'm going to run my offense against them fast break and get back. Now I'm working on transition defense. Uh, I'm getting my condition. I'm working on offense. I'm working on taking care of the ball because when you score the game wins, the team that wins only has to make two baskets. You have to take care of the ball. So you have to have good shot selection, no turnovers, stress, offensive rebounding, and then you can play. And I think it's so important. I, I then take the ball on the side out of bounds. I do the same thing underneath out of bounds. If you're, you're playing against a team like that's going to press, we're going to start instead of starting at half court on offense, we're starting with one team taking the ball out. The other team is replicating their full court one, two, one, one press or three quarter court two, two, one. And we're going to start our sequence, our offensive sequence from that point. 
It's a very efficient way. But what I'm doing is I'm working on rather than one team getting all the reps, every team gets equal amount of reps. And I think it's so important to keep those kids engaged. No, it all makes total sense. Uh, the, the last one that we had come in uh, is from a coach who says, I need help handling my post-game talks with my team after a loss. I play. I played for a coach who come in the locker room screaming to motivate us. And I've been doing the same throughout my coaching career, but I don't think my players are responding to it. Any advice? No, you're right on that. They're not responding to it. And it's a, and it's not a problem that you alone have. It's a problem that happens in coaching. Coaches model the coach that was most influential in their career. And if you had a coach that you played for, that was a yeller and screamer, a berater, whatever, that guess what? Usually that's who you become. And it's the same way as parents. You become who your parents were many times. And so I, I find that I learned this from Chuck Daly. When we came into the game, after a, after a win, he came in, hey, we'll see you tomorrow at 11 o'clock at practice. We came after a loss, he'd say, hey, he literally never said more than one sentence. And it was never derogatory. It was simply... I, I I think we're not going to be happy with this. I hope we don't regret this loss. Tomorrow at our practice at 11, I'll have watched the tape and I'll have some thoughts. The biggest reason I do that is that all of a sudden, if I go off on the players post-game, I might be wrong. But most importantly, I never want to leave scars on my players. And that's what happens. If you go in, you scream, and what you've done is you now blame them for losing. You accepted no responsibility in it. So, you know, you've said, you know, you guys didn't do this, but you were fine. That's not the way it is. It has to be collective responsibility. And I think it's so important that afterwards that you just literally get that post game to tomorrow. And I think after midnight, I've always found that it's a new day and I got to think clear because now when the new day comes, I now have to coach my team moving forward, not backwards. And I think that's a really key point. But the biggest thing is how do I, I literally had a coach recently that for three quarters of the game, his team was phenomenal and they kept blowing fourth quarter leads, but they were down four starters. <laughs> they didn't have them. They were injured. So rather than go in and tell his guys, great job, great heart. We just got to finish. Okay. Something like that simple. It was like the opposite. And these guys were busting their ass for him. And so I think it's really important that you really, uh, and, and I, I always say coaching and parenting, it's the same skill set. you know, you want to correct the behavior of your child, but you don't want to crush them. You don't want them to ever regret the words that you said to them in anger. So you don't want to be angry when you talk to your team. I feel it's really important, Zach. Hey, before we get into Donnie, I noticed that uh, you're also wearing your Stetson uniform. Yes, in honor of our, they started out 5-0 and in the conference play. They've never won three in a row in the, start out 3-0, and Obviously, four and zero, five and zero, first the winningest they've ever been in this century. They have never had a winning record in Division One basketball. This is fabulous for them. No, it's they're wild. ten and I mean, seven five, right five now. Five and one. 
in conference yeah. right now. Five and, and one, the, and then and ten and seven overall. Yeah, with the you know obviously super impressive road wins over Florida State, South Florida, South Florida. Yeah, and and, and, and even through all the road games, I think one of the most impressive things in our pre-call, you know, he was talking about how not once has his players complained about playing the road games going international. You know, it's they're 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 in a good spot. They're in a really good spot to go for. Yeah, I, and I think you know when you find out and you're you're close to someone like last week, for instance, they had to go up to uh, Louisville to play Bellerman, who's you know Scotty Davenport's been on our podcast, a phenomenal coach and a dear friend of ours, and. And Scotty's one of the best coaches. He beat Louisville. I mean, plays UCLA every year. Duke. I mean, the guy's an icon as a coach. And and they go. They leave their campus at five thirty so they can take a nonstop flight. And that's when the FAA FAA shut down all the airplanes in the United States, and they didn't arrive till like seven o'clock at night. And the next day, one by forty. That's that's super impressive to me. And that you don't beat a Scott Davenport Bellerman team by 30 points, 40, you know, in their building. It was just absolutely incredible because of the respect I have for Scott and his program. So that was cool. So, you know, I think after listening to our, our friends and sponsors, uh, we'll get back and you'll really enjoy Donnie Jones. We're thrilled to have our longtime partners and friends at Dr. Dish Basketball on board as sponsors of the Coaching You podcast. Dr. Dish machines are undoubtedly the most user-friendly and advanced machines in the world of basketball today. Dr. Dish has completely revolutionized and reimagined the shooting machine to provide the best solution on the market. Join top programs around the world like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, and countless others and upgrade your shooting machine to Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish machines are the best way to increase purposeful reps in your program to get players better, faster, while tracking progress along the way. Dr. Dish provides so much more than just your standard shooting machines with custom training, pro trainers, and coaches on demand, real-time and detailed analytics, and top-of-the-line drills and workouts. If you're looking to take your program to the next level, look no further than Dr. Dish for the best basketball training machine in the world. If you have an old machine that you that's just collecting dust in your gym, did you know that you can trade that in for to Dr. Dish for up to $1,500 off and get a new dish? Make sure to give our friends at Dr. Dish a follow at Dr. Dish B-Ball on Twitter and Instagram for great daily drills, workouts, tips, and inspiration. Or contact us at drdishbasketball.com. Don't forget to mention Coaching You or our podcast for $300 off your purchase. Coaches, are you looking to take your game preparation to the next level? Then Fast Model Sports is the perfect coaching software for you. With FastDraw, build an organized library of plays and drills and create professional playbooks to share with your players and staff. You can also download over 9,500 free plays and drills from our playbank directly to your FastDraw account. Looking for a better way to build your scouting reports and want to include video? With FastScout, build custom scouting report templates to prepare your team best for each individual opponent. Plus, did you know with the latest Updates from Fast Model Sports. You can now include video with your Fast Scout reports and share with your coaches and staff 
all within the FastScout mobile app. The combination of fast draw and fast scout is by far the best way for you and your coaches to create winning game strategies and effectively communicate them to your team. Over 10,000 high school and youth coaches trust fast model sports products to help their teams reach their goals. To order, go to fastmodelsports.com. Use code COACHINGU15 to get 15% off any fast draw or fast scout products. Remember, Go to FastModelSports.com, use code COACHINGU15 to get 15% off any fast draw and fast scout products. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir, and my favorite coach of all time, Donnie Jones, the head coach of Stetson Hatters. And this is Stetson Day uh, as I have my three-quarter zip. Coach has his you know, practice gear on already, ready for, to go for practice today. Even our uh, our CEO, Zach Kendrick, has his thing in the Stetson Hatters as he's recording in our huddle studio today. And uh, But, Coach, what a start to the conference play uh, by you guys. Congrats. Yeah, thanks, Coach. I appreciate it. It's uh, It's been a uh, interesting challenge. As you know, conference play is always a challenge at, at every level. Uh, but our league has been, I think, very unique uh, this year uh, uh, with 14 really good teams. You know, I think one of the things that's uh, so amazing, and, and you look at, uh, you know, different conferences around the country, men's and women's, and you and I always look at their non-conference play and their record, and then their conference, you know, when they get to conference play. And the women are famous for this. Some of the really good teams, they're undefeated coming at a non-conference play one loss and stuff like that filled with and when you were at florida you were the master of you used to schedule 20 home games a year i remember (laughs) and you know and all of a sudden you know you'd be 18 or 19 and one at home uh and on your home game schedule um you haven't had that good fortune you don't have that football guarantee money that you had at florida or even at Dayton, you know, uh, where you can just load up on guarantee games. So your challenge is totally unique from other Division I schools. Yes, it really is. You know, we're on the other side of that. And uh, so for us, you know, we've embraced that. Uh, You know, we're going to play four really high major teams every year for guarantee money. Uh, That's always important to be able to fund our programs and uh, not only our program, but the other programs at the school. Uh, so, you know, we embrace that opportunity, and I think our kids love that challenge. It gives them a, t- a chance to get on the national scene. gives them a chance to play against different uh, programs uh, across the country, and, and it really does prepare us. You know, our focus coming in this season, Coach, especially with the young team, was just to make sure that our non-conference schedule did not break our spirit and, and trust the process as we've gone through it. And I, and I think from a standpoint, we were fortunate to get a couple wins early and, and grow with that, but – uh, it's been a uh, interesting uh, journey uh, to start this conference play, and I really think a lot of it's been because of the strength of schedule we played early. You know, when you uh, when you when you sent me a copy of your schedule, I remember we have such great respect for Leonard Hamilton and Stan Jones at Florida State, and we know they're always. You know, when we were at UCF, we went up and played them, and we had a terrific team, and they just whacked us. And I know it's one of those teams you don't want to play, but it's four hours from from your campus and stuff. And and so you go, and that's your first game out of the gate. And I'm I'm having to pick up 
my wife at the New Orleans airport and I'm listening to the game is on radio and I can't believe the score as I'm listening to it. And, and I'm saying, how does this happen? And you're at Florida state, but you're the unique style of play that you're doing really was a game changer against a great defensively coached team. No, it really is. I get great respect for those guys, Stan, and and obviously uh, Leonard. We've known for years, and he's done an incredible job uh, there at Florida State. You know, since 2016, it's been the, the most difficult environment in college basketball to play. They'd only had six home losses, so we knew going in there. You know, defensively, they, they'd switch a lot, and uh, we're still learning our team. Uh, it's early on. The biggest thing I I wanted my team to do was to go in there and space, uh, be able to figure out combinations to be able to try to create shots. Uh, you know, we knew we had to make a bunch of threes to have a chance. We were fortunate it went our way. Uh, obviously, they had some some uh, you know injuries, and uh, they were still trying to figure their team out like a lot of us are early. But our kids went into a tough atmosphere and I think really just gave them great respect. But uh, we were fortunate to really learn about who we were early part of the season. You know, when uh, when I joined you, was lucky enough to join you uh, your first year there, I remember, you know, you, you're you such a tremendous recruiter, but also the state of Florida embraces Donnie Jones, embrace you because of your background and how many years you were at Florida. So you know every high school coach in, in the state and everyone loves you. And, you know, we thought we could just make a living just on Florida kids, which I thought would be the, you know, the easiest thing in the world to do. And as it ironically turns out, kids that aren't from Florida really want to come to Florida. And somehow, you know, you've recruited the state of Indiana better than anyone except maybe IU has. And, uh, you know, how did that happen and how did that all work out? And now you've got three of the best players on your team, three of your top six are all from Indiana, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, you know, you think when you walk into uh, every situation requires a, a certain level of a need. And so you don't know until you get a job somewhere and you lift the hood up under and see, hey, what do we need here? What fits here? What fits this environment, this culture, uh, style play we're trying to play? Obviously, we're a liberal arts school. Academics are important here uh, at another level. Uh, so with that, we were trying to really find out what gives us a chance to win. And obviously, I I love the state of Florida. Uh, I obviously lived here for 20 years, coached at three uh, schools here in this state now. And, uh, you know, we just haven't been a program here in this state. It's, it's been respected uh, because we haven't won at a very high level for a long period of time. So with that, it hasn't been cool, I think, for kids in the state uh, to come to Stetson. So we had to identify. We had two kids we picked up, and uh, Rob Perry ended up being the a son freshman of the year. So we took another kid from Florida named Chase Johnston, who was a son freshman of the year, both all conference players and uh, had other opportunities they felt was bigger and better for them that, that didn't stick around. And so with that, you know, we've continued just to try to figure out uh, somebody that we felt could come in here that were basketball players that, that could really uh, play a style of play uh, that can really space it and score. And, you know, we know kids from the – I played in Kentucky. I uh, always thought growing up uh, playing there, I uh, had great admiration for the Midwest. I thought I'd always want my son to grow up and play basketball in Kentucky because they care. Every day matters. Every coach can coach from junior high to grade school. They're basketball fanatics, same in Indiana. And I thought, i got to bring that culture here. So just started looking for the right fit. And obviously was able to connect. Got Josh Smith started with him and 
uh, got him here. And, uh, and obviously we just kept, you know, looking for the best players in the state and was fortunate here to land Luke Brown and, and Jalen Blackman both. And so with that, these kids are great kids. They've been culture changers. Uh, they're humble. They play every day. Uh, they work harder when it doesn't go well. And they just understand the importance of, of, of building a program, which has been very special. Uh, you're not giving Luke Brown and Jalen Blackman enough credit. Talk about the amount of points that they have scored when they were in high school. And and I think this was, I remember I was still with you when we were pre-pandemic when we were recruiting Luke and and we were looking at his stats and we were like, you and I are going, this can't be. The guy's high school team before the kid went there was one in 69, correct? That's correct. And then when he went there, did they win like 77 games in his, something like that in his career? And then the amount of points that he scored, I think, if I'm not incorrect, he was fourth all time in the state of Indiana, which is like the most incredible place, like 3,300 points or some ridiculous thing. Uh, And Jalen Blackman, whose father played at Kentucky, right? Uh, Terrific player. And, uh, you know, talk about those two guys and what it does when you have guys that can make shots like that. No, it really does. And, you know, you got to see where those guys fit with what you do. And obviously, you know, I had a great shooter in Lee Humphrey and you know, I had a great shooter in Teddy Dupay at Florida. And, and when I saw Luke Brown, it was just the lights went off. Uh, you know, I know where he fits. Uh, you know, guards have always been able to score in this style of play. We run plays for him. We, we get shooter shots. We play to guys' strengths. And a guy like Luke Brown uh, really saw what he could do instead of what he couldn't do. Everybody was saying he can't defend. He's too small. He's all these things. But they weren't thinking about what he is. And those things will get better because he will learn and grow and compete. And uh, so, you know, we were fortunate to get Luke. And then, you know, Luke had the opportunity when he, he, he came here. And, and obviously, it was, you know, it was a struggle for him when he first got here, Coach. And he ended up leaving after the first semester and transferred to Ball State and, and then decided to come back after a coaching change. And, and obviously, he brought his best friend with him uh, in Jalen Blackman and uh, got to know Jalen and recruited him and James. And, you know, I love the basketball culture. James is the head coach at Marion High School in Indiana. Mr. Basketball with the Kentucky and – uh, obviously it's been, they're a basketball family. They have a gymnasium in their home. So that tells you how much basketball they play. And wow. so with that, those two guys, I just knew that they could be a, uh, a building block for us here that could, they, that would spread amongst our team. And, and those guys, both, uh, Jalen was the seventh all time leading scorer and, and blew his ACL his junior year. So he didn't even play all of his games or he probably would have been, you know, top two as well. But both those kids, other than scoring, you know, they are they're great teammates. They're great kids, great families, and just great fits for what you're trying to build. You know, uh, I think uh, when the ASUN conference, you know, is I think one of the most underrated uh, conferences in the country, what makes it unique in your eyes uh, that makes it such a difficult conference to win in? Well, first of all, I think there's some excellent coaches. Uh, yeah. you got some coaches in here that's been very successful and, uh, and understand, uh, you know, what they're recruiting to and, and what their strengths are. And so with that, every night, it's a, it's a battle. And, uh, you know, there's been some big non-conference wins this year uh, in our programs. Uh, you know, we've had a couple teams that beat Louisville this year and Lipskin and uh, – 
Bellarmine, and then you've had uh, North Alabama, you know, beat Ole Miss, and you know, and obviously we had some success with a couple wins, but there's been some big wins here. You know, Jacksonville goes in and beats VCU, and and and, and these guys have really uh, established their programs. So I think night in and night out, coach. You know, there's there's not much parity. There's a lot of parity, should I say, uh, amongst this group, and uh, it's made this league better. And Liberty, you know, they raised the, the bar with the success they've had and, and and what they've been able to do there. Richie's a great coach, and, uh, you know, I've seen where they had been top two uh, with Gonzaga and the most wins in the last five years in college basketball. And it says a lot about what they've been able to do in this league. Yeah, boxing one on old Liberty. That's what I say, boy. <laughs> but, yeah, but you yeah. know, you know, it's funny. You know, uh, you know, at, you know. I think I've coached over four thousand games in pro and college basketball. Wow! And I think three of them, <laughs> maybe actually four of the wins that we I've had of my top ten minimum minimum have been with you, mm-hmm. beating Florida when Billy Donovan was there on a neutral site. And they were fourth in the country, I think, at the Amway Center. Going wow. to to one of Zach's and my favorite places in uh, the Atlantis, and 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 bleeding UConn when they were <laughs> second in the country, you know, and they had an amazing team. And Calhoun was coaching, and and this is how good Donnie Jones is as a coach. We're getting our ass kicked, and it's at halftime. He says, "We're going to switch to a zone." I said, "Coach, we haven't played zone this year." He said, "Well, we're going to start right now," and they <laughs> couldn't make a shot, and and we end up from like twenty down to winning, and uh, and then we put a box in one. You put a box in one on Liberty. Would they score twelve points, eleven points in the second half of a game, and their best player yep. didn't didn't even attempt a shot? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, so. And then Lenny Akoff, we all feel is one of the best coaches in America. And, excellent. And 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 just any time you face him, you know it's it's like going against one of the very best. So I think it's a really a challenge in that conference to to coach people and stuff. What makes your style of play, you know, gives your team a chance to compete on a nightly basis? That's because your style of play is different, I think, and that's what makes it unique and good for your kids. Yeah, we try to be like, uh, you know, it used to be the old Jerry Tarkanian, I think, coach, you know, he called the amoeba, right? So he had that defense that always adjusted to whatever the offense was. And I think our offense is almost like the amoeba. We adjust to what the defense does. And I think what we've tried to do, and I've learned a lot of this from you, is obviously preparation and being able to uh, space and play every night out. It's different uh, based on how you defend us and and what we're going to do. Uh, we give a lot of different looks. We get a lot of different plays and concepts we play out of. I think our terminology has been really good. I've learned a lot of that from you. of just understand the importance of being able to put things in, but making sure guys doesn't matter if guys can't understand the language. So I think we try to keep things simple, play to people's strengths, and uh, just be able to get guys to be unselfish. You know, I think I've seen a stat where like 18th in the country and assist turnover ratio this year. And, uh, you know, we're all freshmen and sophomore pretty much guards. And I think it's been a lot because of our spacing uh, and, and playing out our concepts. And we played against really good teams and it's given us a chance. You know, I think we're top top 20 in three-point shooting in the country and three-point makes. And like Weza Pans is number four and Luke Brown's number one in the country. So so we Gee. play to those guys' strengths because they can really shoot the ball. And, and I think um, now we just got to be able to sustain ourselves defensively 
the nights that those shots aren't going down to be consistent. You know, but it's like running the fast break. You know, you're going to have more turnovers if you're fast break than if you walk the ball up the court. Your pace of play is going to be. But when you shoot threes, there's going to be nights you don't make them, but that happens in basketball, you know, all the time. But I think what it's been really fascinating to watch is to watch. I mean, I watched, you know, the great thing about ESPN Plus is I get to see every game, including exhibitions. And I'm watching your exhibition games this year at home uh, in front of like two you know, you're not allowed to play D ones in exhibition and, and you're struggling, man. I'm saying, Oh boy, this is going to be a long year. And next thing you know, you beat Florida state beat the daylights at him by double figures and stuff like that. Uh, how do you go about injecting confidence into kids when, and a program that's has not had a winning record this century, <laughs> I hate it's to correct. say that. It's the truth, it's though. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. they they said, Donnie, pick the toughest job in America, and you did. Why the mm-hmm. hell did you do that? But, but you know, degree of difficulty is something that you embrace. Uh, you know, what? How do you get your kids as a coach? How do other coaches to help them out? How do you give kids confidence? Yeah, and I think it's preparation, coach, as you know, but also not only applauding when it goes well is, is you got to be a teacher. You know, as I always say, I'm not a blamer. Uh, uh, I'm going to teach you, you know, why did this go well? Why did this not go well? And, and obviously you got to play guys through certain situations. Uh, as long as we're being unselfish and we're taking the right shots and we're trying to execute the game plan. Uh, I think that uh, that gives guys confidence. I think when we bring them here, we talk about, you know, what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. And, uh, you know, missing a shot when you're open is, is different than taking a bad shot when you're not. And, and I think uh, those guys have embraced that. And uh, it's important how we are. I always talk about what's the response. You know, as I said to my team the other night when we lost, I'm like, the biggest thing I'm going to say tonight is one word. You know, now what's the response? You won five in a row. And how do you respond? Because it's a journey. It's a one-game season, as I've learned from you. Yeah. And we got to move to the next one. But, you know, how do you respond? If you didn't shoot well tonight or you didn't play – the way you did, it's going to be important how you come back very simple tomorrow. But, but you know, we got kids that love to play, and that's been the key for us. You get guys that fit your culture, that fit your coaching. Uh, it's important for us to, uh, instead of adjusting to your players, you know, your players are starting to now adjust to what we expect from them. And when you've been in a program that hasn't won for a long time, you go from from hoping to believing to expecting. And, mm-hmm. and when you can get to the expectation level, I think it's important, and that's the next step for us here at Stetson. Hey, Donnie, uh, for the, you know, we have listeners in you know over a hundred countries that listen to our podcasts and stuff, uh, which I didn't know anyone outside of New Jersey and Florida listened. Didn't we started these things <laughs> about ten years ago? But you know, uh, so we have all these coaches from everywhere. Uh, w- tell them where, where Stetson University is and tell them the type of school it is, especially academically in enrollment, and then why does it make it unique? Yeah, where we're located, Coach, thanks for this opportunity. We're located in Deland, Florida, which is uh, 15 miles kind of south of uh, Daytona Beach. Uh, We're a liberal arts school. Uh, We're one of the top five business schools in the country. Uh, My daughter is going to graduate this year from this school, so I know it from from every inside out because uh, she's there uh, and it's been an incredible academic experience for her. Uh, 
our school is about uh, 2,700 students, which gives you an opportunity to connect and know people on campus and have relationships and uh, friends uh, with the enrollment. And, uh, you know, we are, uh, I think, a unique school. I think uh, we can have the best of both worlds here. I think uh, you know, a lot of people say we're the Harvard of the South, uh, and that's who we, we would love to become that. I think academically, it's a great place where a degree can be uh, nationally known and be competitive uh, with a degree from here. But but obviously, you know, you can be successful for in, in the sports world here, too. They have been at baseball. They've had you know three Cy Young winners from this <laughs> school. So if you're talented enough, all kids want to be pros. You can be a pro from a school just like this, like a Steve Nash was at Santa Clara or, or uh, Jason Williams when we recruited him to Marshall or a son Whiteside I had at Marshall. So uh, it can happen. And I think it's just um, – you know, getting the right opportunity and fit and uh, momentum, uh, you can have a great experience here. And, and, we're, and we're also only 30 minutes outside of one of the most bustling cities in the country and an incredible sports environment in Orlando, you know, and obviously the number one destination spot in the world with Disney World and Universal Studios. But when you have the magic there and you have an MISL's, you know, soccer team and stuff and, you know, UCF, where you coached before, is the largest enrollment of any school in in America, you know, with 75,000 students. So it's a great Absolutely. environment, a great place to live and stuff like that. Uh, the challenge has been really difficult and stuff, but you finally, in your fourth year, you're really seeing a breakthrough now. And, and recruiting because of that, I think, you know, you're, you really can kind of know now the kind of kids that you can recruit and settle on, right? I mean, what what players and type of students will make it now at your school and how is that going for you? And how, you know, as far as any acceptance of kids wanting to come to Stetson? Absolutely. You know, it's, uh, you know, a lot of people worry about the NIL world and the transfer world coach, you know, and, you know, everybody says, Hey, how you adjusting? And, you know, it's something that's, um, you know, I still believe it's the old fashioned way. You know, you just coach your kids and you love them first. You, you know, I'm not a screamer and a holler. I'm a, a demand and I teach. And I think, you know, getting a kid that fits academically as well as a teammate and a kid that still wants to develop and progress. Uh, you're gonna have kids come and go. Uh, you just gotta continue to get the next one uh, that fits what you do. I think chemistry still has value uh, at this level, especially. It gives you a chance to play against the high level teams who are constantly changing players in and out every year. Uh, but I think um, we've signed two kids, 6'10", both. Uh, one's an international kid uh, from France. Uh, we're an international community. Half our team's international, so we can recruit all over the world. Um, so it's a, it's a great uh, place for that. And we got some great schools, like you said, here in Florida uh, that has international kids that love the opportunity to be at a place here in Florida uh, like this. Donnie, uh, I know you have a big week coming up. Explain, uh, you know, all these conferences play different. The SEC and Big Ten, they play, you know, Tuesday, Wednesdays, Saturdays. <coughs> Excuse me, you guys play Thursday, Saturday afternoons. What challenge does that present as a coach in preparing your team? You finished last Saturday afternoon. Now you don't play till Thursday night and then have to go again Saturday afternoon. As a coach, how, did, how does your week of preparation go in? Yeah, that's a great question, Coach. And I think, uh, obviously, you know, we put probably 80% into whoever we play Thursday. 
And I think that's important because usually the first day, like today on a Monday, uh, our first day today will just be a recap of what we experienced on Saturday. Sunday's usually a day off, even though we're traveling. You come into Monday, uh, you watch film and what you did well, and obviously you learn from that quick, and then you jump in and make your corrections and introduce who you're getting ready to play. And I think that's the biggest thing on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And then uh, obviously you have one quick turnaround. Uh, you know, before you play on Saturday. And sometimes that's Saturday at two o'clock, like we will play. But I think, yeah. you know, we're pretty much to the point now where you've played so many different people in your non-conference schedule. Uh, it's been good for us uh, because we played in Ireland back to back and had to play two different teams. This past weekend, we played a team that played really slow, well-coached, methodical. Then you played a team that pressed you, complete opposite of who you played on Thursday. So uh, I think that's kind of what the NCAA tournament's built on with the teams you do play. And I know my years at Florida, you know, when you had to play six of them, you know, it was a two-game. Your goal was to win two games that week. It's the same right. here. You want to be 2-0 and o each week, and you just try to break it down and put all your energy into that and, and just try to – Simplify what you do. It's probably 85% us and 15 them of what we're focused on. That's great. No, you know what? That's that's a great way of looking at it. You know, just try to go 2-0 and o each week. So it, and, it, and it keeps things in really great perspective. Well, there's not a, anyone in the country. I'm, I'm happier to see what's happening for you and, uh, and how hard you've worked and your staff has worked to get it to where it is. But uh, I know I'll be uh, attached to my TV on Thursday night, as always, to watch you and the Hatters play. And I can't wait to come and see you in February play a couple of times. So, Donnie, thanks so much for being with us, brother. No, thanks, Coach. You know, uh, I, I love coaching you. It's 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 one of the most important uh, programs I know in my coaching, and the impact it's had on me and my staff has been phenomenal. So, Coach, thanks for what you and Zach are doing to impact us coaches, and, and you make us all better every day. We appreciate you. We're here to serve, and and with Donnie Jones, it's coaching me. He he, his program <laughs> is called Coaching Me, not forget the you. Uh, but hey, thank you so much, my best to your family as always, and uh, I look forward to seeing you soon, my friend. Sounds good. Thanks, Coach. Mm-hmm.